Religion, it's us offering to God our filthy rags. So religion can't save you because we've all sinned. Religion falls short because it involves works. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, this is Jim Scudder welcoming you back to In Grace here on the radio or podcast. We're glad that you're listening. And if you're listening on the radio, you can listen on the podcast. You can get us on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And if you're listening on a podcast and you want to find us on the radio, then you can look up on our website, ingraceradio.com, and click on Station Finder and let us know where you live and we'll let you know where we broadcast. But we're thankful to be on a lot of networks that carry us, uh, the Christian Satellite Network, American Family Radio, a lot of Moody Radio stations, uh, VCY America. So great, great folks that partner with In Grace, and we're thankful for everyone that uh, just broadcasts the truth or streams the truth and just get the truth out there any way we can. And if you know anything about In Grace, we really stick close to Scripture. We just, we believe it's the answer, and, and there's nothing else that we really can arrive at answers apart from Scripture. And that segues into what we're going to talk about again today, and that's answers. We're going to be answering your Bible questions. People just like you had real Bible questions. They wrote them down, submitted them, and in a sermon series, I took them one by one and and answered best I could, but I used the Scripture. And the first one is, can you explain the Trinity? Of course, that's that's a big one, right? And uh, we're going to go through that and understand the Trinity best we can. Another one that we're going to answer today is very interesting. The person was wondering, when did people stop believing in God? Because at first, you know, everyone believed in God because God created them, God fellowshiped with them, God confronted them in their sin. But when did people either stop believing in God or stop their uh, the relationship with God. And I'll just tell you, it's very early in human history, unfortunately. That and other questions we will be answering today here on In Grace. So hopefully that'll bless you. And we're going to be featuring part one of a brand new series, The Secret to America's Greatness, where I take my grandkids to counter the woke philosophy that America is a wicked nation or at its foundation is, is racist. We're going to show them America first, by taking them to Pikes Peak and the Grand Canyon and the Redwoods, but then to Washington, D.C. and Baltimore and, and talk about America's greatness is because of our foundation upon God. And so if you'd like to get that video, uh, you can contact us right now, ingraceradio.com, ingraceradio.com, or call us at 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. Make a gift of any amount and we'll send you that video. If your gift is $35 or more, we'll send you two more great video series about America. Can you find God in Washington, D.C. and America's Christian history? Did God intervene? So we would love to hear from you today, ingraceradio.com or call us 1-800-78-GRACE. Contact us today. The first one we're going to tackle today, please explain the Trinity. So we're going to get into this one first, and the reason that it's a challenging question is because it's something that is hard for our finite minds to comprehend. There are other things that I used to really think about a lot when I was a kid, and still do some, but one of those is eternity. Our minds can't comprehend never, there's no ending. We usually think of a timeline, 
with a dot, here's the beginning, here's the middle, here's the end, right? Eternity is more like a line with arrows <laughs> pointing each way. Never was there a beginning, never will there be an end. So these are really hard concepts for us to get our finite human minds around that. You know what? That's good because we serve a God who is infinite. And if we were infinite, then we would be God, but we are not. He created us in his image and his likeness, but we are far different from him. He deserves all the glory and all the honor for his power and his omniscience and his wisdom and his love. We're going to talk about the Trinity because it is a truth of Scripture, and it's an important concept to know because if you don't have a Trinity, you cannot have the sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus. The Trinity is essential, and any group, religion, cult that denies the Trinity is in essence a cult. You cannot deny the Trinity. You have to know that Jesus is God because he equated himself with God. He said, I and my Father are one. What did they do when he said that? They picked up rocks because they knew what he was saying. He was saying he was equal with God. So the Trinity is a very important, essential doctrine of the faith. It's one of those interesting things, though. If you were to pick up your Bible and read through it, you'll never find the word. Trinity is not even in the Bible. So maybe since it's not in the Bible, I don't have to answer the question. <laughs> but we know the concept is all through the Bible. Triunity is where we get our English word, Trinity. Triunity, three but one. We know the Bible is very clear and explicit in that there's one God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You have three, but you have one. Three and one. It's, again, a hard concept to grasp, but the Bible speaks of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, though, we do it wrong. We look at it as a math problem. And we say one plus one plus one equals three. But we're doing it wrong. How about one times one times one equals Maybe that's a different way of looking at it, a better way of looking at it. Again, I'm not going to be able to help you get your mind fully around this, but I'm going to try to give you a couple things that, if you remember, it will help you understand it a little bit better. Some people have tried to illustrate it with illustrations, like a candle. One candle with three wicks, and you have one, but you have three, but you have one light. And that's an interesting way of looking at it. I think it's a valid illustration of the Trinity, but in every human illustration, every example that I can give you, it does break down in some way, as with this illustration. Another one people have said is water, or H2O. H2O can be in three forms. You can have liquid, you can have vapor, and you can have a solid. So these are helpful to kind of help us get our mind around it, but it's still a challenge. But again, if we see it in Scripture, we know it's true. In Genesis 1.26, right in the very beginning, actually in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God, that word God is Elohim, and then here in verse 26, and God said, again, that word is Elohim. Elohim is a plural Hebrew word. Isn't that interesting? It's God. But in the Hebrew, it allows for two or more. God said, let us. Us is, of course, a plural pronoun. 
Make man in our image. So we even see in the beginning of the Bible, we see this idea of one God, but in more than one person. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And we know that God, three in one, created. We, do, we also know that God, Father, Son, and Spirit all had parts in the creation. We could spend several sermons on this, folks. We're going to just spend a few minutes just to give you the basics of it. But I think that's important because our Jewish friends have a hard time understanding three in one. And that's why some of them reject Jesus because how could there be more than one God? We're not saying there's more than one God. There is one God. But yet we see three persons in that one Godhead. Isaiah 48, verse 16, we find the Trinity. We find the Son is speaking prophetically, come ye near unto me, hear ye this, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there am I, and now the Lord God and his spirit hath sent me. You see the Father, you see the Spirit referenced by the Son, and by the way, you see this in many Old Testament or Hebrew scripture passages. I picked out one, but this is through the Old Testament. And then, of course, we find it very clearly in the New Testament, especially when I think of the Trinity, I think of the baptism of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water. Lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In that one snapshot in time, we see Jesus, the Son, being baptized, coming up out of the water. We see the Spirit of God lighting upon him as a dove. And we have the voice of the Father from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Trinity. Again, we see it all through Scripture. But those are some of the highlights I wanted to bring you to say. It is something that is biblical. It is something that is essential. Again, if you don't have the Son of God, you don't have Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't have salvation. So it all comes back to the essentialness of the Trinity. And something that I think will also help you understand it is understanding subordination. Now, it, it seems like if they're three equal, all equally God, and they are, then there wouldn't be subordination. But there is. And just because there's subordination doesn't mean that there's not equality. Okay, It's a harder concept for us, again, you think if somebody's over somebody, then this one is more than equal than this one. But we know that there is a chief of staff. We know that there's a uh, one, one of the generals in our military is above the rest in one sense, but he's equal with the rest in another sense. So we see examples of this. Subordination. We see the Spirit is subordinate to the Father and the Son. We see the Son is subordinate to the Father. Remember Jesus said, not my will, but thine. He said, if there's any other way, when he was praying to see if there was another way of providing salvation, showcasing God's love to the world, if there's any other way in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood, he said, let that other way happen. He said, but nonetheless, thy will be done. He was praying to the Father, and he was in subordination to the Father. We also can understand the Trinity, I think, in understanding that 
the individual members of the Trinity each have a unique purpose. And that, I think, helps me almost the most to understand that each of them have a unique purpose. You have the Father, who is the initiator. He's the initiator of creation. He's the initiator of redemption. He's the one that initiates. He's the one that commands. Then you have the Son, who is the agent, the one that does the will of the Father. And then you have the Spirit, in whom has the power to accomplish these things. So, I think understanding that there's three persons with unique and distinct responsibilities, but one God will help us understand the Trinity. I hope you're not more confused than you were 10 minutes ago, but that's how I can get my mind around it by understanding these different parts of it. But the bottom line, the bottom line, we know that there's God the Father, we know that there's God the Son, we know that there's God the Spirit. It's a very biblical thing, and again, I think sometimes we won't fully be able to comprehend, maybe not even forever. Sometimes you think, well, when I get to heaven, I'll understand. Well, maybe you will, but I also believe that we're going to be learning through all eternity. I really do. So this might be one of those things that we'll be continually learning about, but we do find it in other areas of creation, don't we? You have time, space, and matter. You have mind, soul, and spirit. We have a lot of trichotomies in our world. And so, again, it's something that is a little hard to comprehend, but it's a biblical truth, an important biblical truth that we have to always understand or at least speak of. Are you concerned about the direction of America? Do you want to understand the secrets behind America's greatness? In Grace's series, The Secret to America's Greatness is just what you need. This video series offers insight into America's founding principles, travel with Jim Scudder Jr. and his grandkids as he rediscovers America's founding principles and passes it on to the next generation. Traveling from coast to coast, he will explore the rich history and values that have shaped our great nation. You can get this series as a thank you when you give any amount to Ingrace. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, Can You Find God in Washington, D.C.? and Is America a Christian Nation? These videos explore the spiritual foundations of our nation and offer hope for our future. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to learn about America's rich history and spiritual heritage. To support InGrace's mission and reach more people with the gospel, visit ingraceradio.com or call 800-78-GRACE. You can also write to InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That's ingraceradio.com or 800-78-GRACE. The second question today is, a tract says it doesn't matter which religion you are to be saved. Do they get punishment or less blessings if they belong to a false religion? And I'm assuming that is referring to one of our tracts, which it doesn't really say that, but it says which religion gets you to heaven. I had the opportunity to give this to a famous actor, Bob Newhart. I was in a Los Angeles airport lounge waiting for an international flight. And uh, I gave him the which religion track. He looks at it. He's reading it. He gives it back to me. He says, Catholic. Now he's Catholic. That's fine. But I felt so bad because in Fiji, they were taking the tracks and they were so happy and so excited. But in America, they hand it back. And that's the kind thing sometimes that they do when you give them a track. 
But the track isn't saying you can be any religion and go to heaven because there's only one way to heaven. That's really what the track is saying. Religion doesn't get you to heaven. Religion doesn't get you to heaven. It's a Baptist, it's a Catholic, it's Protestant, or even outside of what's considered Christianity, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, Judaism, whatever. All of religion, it's a Latin word that has the idea of us reaching to God. And religion can't save you because that would mean you can save yourself. Most people believe in all religions, if you boil them all down, that to go to heaven, you have to do good stuff, good things. To achieve nirvana, paradise, heaven, whatever you call it, you have to be good. And hopefully your good outweigh your bad. Even the Egyptians believe this. There's a papyrus painting I have in my office that has, they're weighing the scale of a human heart against a feather. And if you're, if you're a sinner, the heart will weigh more than the feather, and then you're not going to paradise. You're not going to the next life. So it's in all religions is we have to earn eternal life. Here's the problem. Isaiah 64, 6 tells it like it is, but we are all as an unclean thing. You probably didn't come to church today to hear that you're an unclean thing, but that's what the Bible says. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. I'm going to tell you what that is in the Hebrew. You might not like it, but this is the truth. Filthy rags are menstrual rags. All our righteousness, all our good is but filthy rags. If we're trying to earn eternal life and we hold up our righteousness, our, our good works here, this is the best I've got. And he looks down and says, oh, filthy rags. It's crazy. But that is religion. It's us offering to God our filthy rags. And do fade as a leaf. Our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So religion can't save you because we've all sinned. Religion falls short because it involves works. Titus 3.5 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Therefore, God reached down to us. Amen? Amen. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I think the question was more probably not which religion saves you or does religion save you. I think the question is more about if someone comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're still part of a church that teaches error, what happens? Does that person get less blessings? Are they punished in any way? And there are people that stay in churches that teach error, and they do that for several reasons. One, it's because of family. One, it's because of culture. If they leave that church, they will lose inheritance, privilege, jobs, whatever it is. Also, some people stay in a church that teaches error because they're trying to straighten it out, which I think is noble, but impossible. Here's what I think when we look at this, and you all sitting in the room today are part of a church that teaches the scripture, the word of God, but maybe you know someone, or maybe one of you is watching that you're part of that church that teaches error, and you're trying to straighten them out. Let me take you to 2 Corinthians 6, 14, and really this whole passage helps us understand it, but I just pulled out 14 and 17 for you. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I think this applies with a dating relationship, with a marital relationship. Of course, if you're already married and your spouse is unsaved, stay married, uh, be godly, win the spouse to the Lord. But maybe a partnership in business. I mean, it's really important that when we're 
locked together in some sort of relationship that we're both on the same page, right? It makes sense. And I also believe this applies to a church that you go to. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And it continues on and it ends with this. Wherefore, come out from among them. I believe this is ecclesiastical separation. It is not right to continue to go to a church to bring the church around because that's really an impossibility. What you need to separate from that, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Question, at what part in the time frame did people not believe in God? I thought the question was asking, how long after creation did we stop believing in God? And the person said, that is the question. And isn't that an interesting question? Have you ever thought about that? I wonder how long it was. Adam and Eve were created perfect, and then they sinned. We find it right away in Scripture, right? But we don't know how long that was. The only thing I can do with Adam and Eve is surmise that it was quick. The reason is because God commanded them to be fruitful and multiply. They had still yet to have children. So I believe that if they had disobeyed the command of God to be fruitful and multiply, that would have been sin too. But I really believe this happened soon. I also know that when we read the story of Cain and Abel, they had children. This was after the fall. And one of their children did right. Abel brought the blood sacrifice that God required. The other child brought a sacrifice, but not a blood sacrifice, a sacrifice of works. And so how quickly their children, one had accepted the way of God, the other one had rejected the way of God. And then further down, we see right after the flood, we see that mankind quickly moved away. You had eight righteous people, right? Or we might say eight saved people. And then we see Tower of Babel not that far after that. So what it tells me is that we fall away from God quickly, okay? And it's wrong, it's horrible. Uh, look at Romans 1.21, it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They knew God, and they didn't worship the Lord. They, didn't, they weren't thankful, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. This happens quick. That's why we have to be on guard. I'm so happy when I see someone come through our Friday Addictions program and they get saved and they start to see the chains of addiction breaking by the power of God in their life. They were down and out. They were desperate. They were looking for anything and they found a program, a group of people, the word of God, salvation, and they're doing good and they're growing and you see them a lot and then their life is improving. They're not high and drunk or whatever anymore and now they can hold a job and things starting to be getting better and better and we've seen this a lot of times you start to see them not in church as often how quickly we fall away from the lord especially when things are going well beware let us use this question as an alert to make sure we are very careful that every day we spend time with the Lord, we fellowship with him, we utilize the power of God, we yield to the Holy Spirit. Because a few days of not having that is a slippery slope to where we can quickly fall away from the Lord as well.
And we'll continue our answer series tomorrow with some great Bible questions that people have asked and using scripture to answer them is the way to go. Uh, we are also excited, as I told you at the beginning, about a brand new series, video series, The Secret to America's Greatness, where I show my grandkids the great country that we have and why. If you'd like to get this brand new video series, you can order it from us here at InGrace at 1-800-78-GRACE is our phone number or ingraceradio.com is our web address. You can also write to us in Grace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. The Secret to America's Greatness can be yours for a gift of any amount. Your gift will make sure more people hear the gospel. And if your gift is $35 or more, we're going to send you two more great video series about America. Rediscover America's founding principles with Jim Scudder Jr. as he embarks on a cross-country journey in InGrace's new video series, The Secret to America's Greatness. Give any amount to InGrace and receive this series. When you support InGrace's mission to spread the gospel with a gift of $35 or more, call now, 800-78-GRACE, or go to ingraceradio.com. Thank you for joining us on InGrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.